0: Good morning. Let's get to work today. I think God has a word for us today uh, that is going to encourage somebody in here. So I have a question. Do you ever struggle with anxiety? Can I be honest with you? I've probably had two of the most anxious weeks of my life recently. Um, I've had some health concerns that just came up out of nowhere and were very concerning and very uh, serious. And I kind of barely made it here last weekend and preached. And if you noticed, I wasn't really in the back and I wasn't out in the front. I was kind of, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Um, The good news is, is it seems like I'm getting better and I'm progressing in really good ways. But I don't know if you've ever been there, but like you get a diagnosis or you get some news or something's going on with your body or something like that. And then you just begin to spiral. And the thoughts just kind of take over and start taking you deeper and deeper down this path. And you're like, man, I, I don't know what to do. And then I'm here I am a pastor and I'm like, man, I talk to people about this all the time. And God said, great, so let's put it into practice. Let's start to like really figure this out and really talk about this. And as I was preparing for this week's message, um, m- no, maybe God was preparing me for this message. Um, it, I changed it. And today we're going to be talking about. Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is my peace. And so today we're going to be going through the Bible and looking at this story of this guy named Gideon in the, in the book of Judges chapter 6. But I want us to see today how the presence of God can bring the peace of God in our life and can begin to combat for us the anxiety that we feel. Because for so many of us, anxiety and worry is about being without that, right? Like there's some part of our life where we're going to miss out financially, health-wise, uh, kids, relationships, whatever you think it is. Anxiety is this worry about the future, about what, what, what can happen. And, and it really has to do with some part of our life that we're probably going to be lacking. And what we find in the scriptures is, is as God talks to Gideon and looks at, at the situation that Israel is in, he's going to say, like, the solution is my presence. The solution is is me with you and me being a part of what is going on. So let me just give you a quick definition of anxiety. It's a mental condition characterized by excessive apprehensiveness about real or perceived threats. For a lot of us, we live in a what if world. What if this happens? What if that happens? And you know what happens with a lot of what ifs? They don't happen. So to live in a what if world is to live in a crazy world. To live in a chaotic world. And let me me just tell you worry and anxiety are many times you fighting the battle twice. See, because before you get to the actual battle, before you get to what is coming, before you get to what you potentially may have to deal with, you've already started to deal with it in your mind. How many of us have been there? You're fighting a war in your mind. And then if you ever actually have to get to the battle, you're exhausted. It's a tactic of the enemy. I'm going to wear you down before I wear you out. You know, we do this even in war now, and we do this, and a buddy of mine, he was in the Marine Corps, he got attached to a special unit, and he couldn't tell me all about what he did, but I said, so what do you do? And he's like, oh, I fight the battle before the battle. I fight psychological warfare. So before we go to battle, we start messing with the enemy. We start mentally messing with the enemy. We start freaking them out. We start making them feel like they don't have enough. We drop pamphlets and we drop all kinds of things. We get into data and we send things that begin to wear the enemy out before our guys ever show up. I wonder for how many of us that's just what's going on in your life right now. Maybe you're like me this week. And can I just be honest with you guys? Like, I know I'm a pastor, but like I deal with stress. I deal with anxiety. I deal with worry. I I deal with all of these things. And if I can't be honest up here, how can I expect you to be honest out there? But we're not going to just like sit in anxiety. If you guys know me, I'm not like a big person who just sits and does nothing. So we're not going to sit in this. We're gonna learn how to get to the presence of God today and what the presence of God can do to our worry, what it can do to our doubts, what it can do to our fears and our anxiety. So anxiety is this moment where we have apprehensive about real or perceived threats, typically leading to what? Avoidance behaviors and often to physical symptoms such as increased heart rate, muscle tension. I mean, this is like the textbook Oxford definition of anxiety. Some of us like in here, as soon as I said the word anxiety, you started to feel these things. You're like, my heart, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have had two coffees today. (laughs) Some of you need to stop drinking coffee. But what happens in the book of Judges is the people of Israel, this is a unique time in their history. They've gone into the land that's been promised to them. A lot of the enemies of Israel have been expelled, but Israel has this like behavior problem. Israel kind of like they adopt the thought and the gods and the things of the day. And they, what they do is they begin to stop worshiping Yahweh God and begin to worship other gods. And this worship of other things begins to create in them anxiety. It begins to create in them fear, worry. They are oppressed. They are are not flourishing as people. And that's exactly where we find ourselves in the book of Judges chapter 6. If you have a Bible with you, open up to Judges chapter 6. If not, don't worry. The words will be on the screen for you. But let's just jump into what happens here. Judges chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. It says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. What is the evil that the Israelites did? They began to worship other gods. They began to, to kind of adopt the practices of the world that was around them. They, they did a lot of what the church does. Sometimes the world influences the church more than the church influences the world. And so what happens to Israel, like, I think a lot of us have a wagging finger at the Old Testament. Like, you guys should have known better. I don't know. I think we might need to turn that around. So the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord for seven years. He gave them into the hands of the Midianites. God said, okay, you want to worship other gods and do other things? Okay, like I'm going to give you over to what you really want. You can have that. You can deal with those things because the power of Midian was so oppressive. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Does that sound anxious? They moved their homes to the mountains and high places and hid in caves because of how oppressive the Midianite army was. We're going to see another army comes in here as well. But what happens for so many of us is this. What was meant to help you can begin to take control of you. For so many of us, because of anxiety, worry, pressure, whatever it is in this world, we bring things into our life like the Midianites and their gods and their practices and things like that. And we say like, oh, well, part of this will help me. It's Jesus plus something or, you know, like all of these things. And what would they say is like, hey, let's bring this in. And what was originally intended to help you now controls you. And anybody who who knows this, how many of us have started certain things in our life, brought certain things into our life that now we're scared that if they were to go, we would fall apart again. Like man, if I if I don't do this, like no longer is exercise enjoyable for you. You're just scared you're gonna die if you don't do it. So now it's like this is pressure, this is anxiety, this is worry, this has dominated you and come into your life. How many of us even like social media? Oh, it's just a great time for a way for me to keep up with my friends. It's a way for me to know what's going on in the lives of people around me. And now your whole life is the first thing you open is Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is that you're on. And that's all you look at. And then what do you do? Oh, man, they're prettier than I am. Oh, man, they look better than I am. Oh, man, did you see the new car that they got? How did they do that? Oh, man, did you see this? Instead of enjoying and being a part of other people's life, they are the mirror by which you judge your own. And every day you wake up feeling awful or you're looking at the number of likes or views or you're just like living in this world that is dominating you and you brought it in for a good reason. For many of us, the things that give us anxiety and worry and apprehension about the future were brought into our life for good reasons. But so many times things that were brought in with good intentions have terrible results. That's exactly what happens to Israel. Israel brings in the Midianites and they're part of like the group. And actually Israel has a really great relationship with the Midianites at the beginning of their relationship. But what began to happen is, is they begin to adopt what was going on in the Midianites lives. And it begins to create oppression in them. I mean, look at it. These guys were their friends. They'll help us out. They're good people, right? Like they're going to help us do all of these things. And the Bible quickly goes, "Yep, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So God said, all right, you want to be with the Midianites? You can be with the Midianites. Let's see what kind of ruler and king they are. And then the Bible says that it was so bad that Israel hid in the caves, in the woods, and in the mountains around the land because they were so bad. I mean, let me just ask us all in this room. Is there parts of your life, your faith that you've pulled away? That you've become very lonely? That you, you, Because like the things that you brought in to your life to help you are now controlling you. And they're now dominating you. And there's some shame with that. And there's some guilt in that. And there's some fear in that. And there's some worry in that. And so parts of your life you've become distant from God and others. And you know, like as David said in that video, the worst way to fight a battle is alone. Sometimes the worst voice is your own. Sometimes the worst thought process is your own. I mean, I was dealing with that this week. Like I would feel something and I'd be like, I'm dying. I'm dying. This is it. I'm dying. And then I would talk to other people and they're like, you're not dying. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, maybe I am though, right? <laughs> and they're like, no, you're not dying. And so what began to happen for, for so many of us is, what is the thing that you brought into your life that has dragged you into a cave? It's just consumed you. And like, even as I'm talking about it now, your blood pressure is elevating. You're like shaking in your seat. I know. I've been there. I feel that. Some of you are like, so. so can I do this? Drink some water. We're going to get through this. You need to be here. Because let me just tell you, anxiety is like a shadow. You can try to run from it, but it's really good at sticking to you. It's really good at following you. It's really good at just showing up right when you turn around. And let me just tell you something. If you're running from your anxiety and your worry, the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to get exhausted and it's still right there it's still going to be there. And so what we're going to do today is go, all right, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of dealing with this. I can't do this anymore. And I'm freaked out. Thank goodness we know Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace because the opposite of anxiety is peace. So look at what the Bible continues to say. Judges chapter 6, verses 3 to 5, the Bible says this Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, there's the other army, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Nothing was left alive. Is that the way that you feel right now? Like, Sin, worry, anxiety, fear, it comes into your life and it leaves nothing alive. There's not a hope, there's not a dream, there's not some peace. It annihilates you. Neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkey. They came up with their livestock in their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels, which is really interesting. This is the very first time that camels are mentioned here as used in war. What does that mean? They were fast and they, were, they could persevere. If you didn't know anything about camels in deserts, they can go a really long time without water. They're fast and they're persistent. That's what he's saying. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and the other eastern people came in, and they were fast, they were persistent, they did not give up, and they dominated us. Israel chose not even to fight. They just said, here they come, let's go to the hills. Everything. It was impossible to count them for their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Let me just tell you something. Sin will promise you everything and leave you with nothing. That was the promise of the Midianites. That's why Israel brought the Midianites in. They brought them in because of the promise of goodness, the promise that things would be OK, things would be better. But then, what did they do? They took everything from them. Sin will always overpromise and underdeliver. Always. I've never met a person or experienced it in my own life. Maybe you have a different experience that when I really walked down a road that I shouldn't, that I left happier than when I got into it. Have you ever been to Las Vegas? Anybody in here ever been to Las Vegas? What's the print plane like, right, like the home plane? Everyone was excited, plane ride there. It was like, yeah, let's go. We're going to have a good time. When they're coming back, everyone looks haggard and like, Oh, well, I just lost my life savings. And you're like, coolest place ever. Not. Because what does La- Las Vegas promise? Promises you everything and it will take everything. I mean, we have like a real world example of these things. And you know what the thing is about us is we don't learn well from others in this area. A lot of us have to learn this by mistake. Young people in the room, listen to people who have walked before you that warn you about certain things. And yes, I know that you don't think that they understand the world that you live in, but the world that you live in is the same one that we did with new tools. Everyone's jealous. People are mean and unkind to each other. People will say hurtful things. There's pressure to fit in. There's clothes to wear that you need to wear to look good. There's all of it. And I know that you think like, well, this is a new time in the world. The world is just the same things repeated over and over. So listen, if you want to save yourself from some heartache and some anxiety and some worry, listen. And that's why for so many people, when you do get in trouble, young people, older people say this, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And so what happens for so many of us is sin in our life will always overpromise and under deliver. It will come into your life and promise you everything and leave nothing behind. And some of us need to hear this about the way in which we are going about our life. Because here's the deal. The reason you're anxious and worried is because you believe that there will be nothing left behind. Some of us in here are settling in our relationships because we're worried that there'll be nothing in the future. But those people you're settling for will take everything from you. Some of you are going to drug. Some of you are, I mean, just whatever. Name it. We we are addicts. Food, drug, sex, relationships, gossip. Like, just name it. We love it. And it always tells you, I'll give you everything. And I'll take everything. Go back to the garden. It's the same old trick. Eve, you want to be like God? You want to not be without? You want to have the knowledge of God? It's the first FOMO, right? It's the same thing over and over. YOLO and FOMO. And those two things get you freaked out. I only live once, so I don't want to miss out. Let me tell you, there's some things worth missing out on in this life. So what happens is that's exactly what God Eve. Hey, did God say not to eat of this tree? All the trees? No, 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 just that tree. Oh, that, you know why that tree? Because if you eat it, you'll be like him. <gasps> I will? Well, if you want to be like him, I promise you if you eat it, you'll be like him. I promise you everything. And then what happens? Eat it. She eats, Adam eats, and what happens? Eden is taken away. Everything. And let me just tell you, the reason why so many of us will run towards things that we know we shouldn't is because of anxiety. It's because we are worried that we are going to miss out. We are worried that there's part of our life where we're going to miss out, where where, where we're not going to live to the fullest of what the world has. But you don't need to live to the fullest of what the world has. What the world has is junk. It's a bunch of counterfeit. But this anxiety and this worry starts to weigh on you, starts to press down on you, starts to to get you to do things that you wouldn't do normally because you have this fear of missing out. That's exactly what happens with Israel. God looks at them and says, hey, do not worship the gods of the Amalekites, the Midianites, and all of these other people. Worship me only. And then they go and they say, you know, well, we might be missing out. Like, these other gods have some things to offer, I think. You know? So, like, let's worship them. And God goes, all right. They're going to rob from you. They're going to steal from you. They're going to take from you. And they will ravage you. But I love you. Notice what happens here in verse 6 of chapter 6 of Judges. It says this, Midian so impovered the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Israel had nothing left, and when they had nothing left, they cried out to God. Desperation leads to dependence. Some of us in here need to realize and not blame God for where you are, but really look in the mirror and go, okay, I went my own way, but I need you now. I really need you now. I really need you to come in and rescue me and to be a part of this because, man, I feel like I'm going to die. And that's the way some of us in this room feel about anxiety right now. Like you feel like I'm going to die. Like the worst is going to happen. And that, that thing, that thought, that, that diagnosis, that, that twitch, whatever it is, like that is here to kill me. I'll never have a relationship. I'll never. You want to know when you're talking in anxiety, you start using absolute statements. I'll never, this will never. They always do this. That is you talking out of your anxiety and your worry and getting to this place where you don't understand what is going on. And Israel gets to the place for this past seven years which seven represents the number of perfection, completion in the Bible, they're completely done. They are completely impoverished. They're completely overrun. And in their anxiety and in their worry, they just call out to the one thing that they should have called out to in the beginning. God. I want you to notice something though. There's not a, I told you so. There's not a, Well, you should have done better. There's not an ounce of anger in the Lord here, but the Lord responds immediately. Look at what the Bible now says in verse 7. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent to them a prophet right away who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. What happens here is out of desperation, Israel cries out to the Lord and their anxiety. And the Lord says, hey, I want to start to intersect and I want to start to help you with your worry. And the way that I'm going to help you begin to fight the battle is to remember my faithfulness in the past. Remember that my people have been oppressed like this before. My people, your people have been oppressed like this before. They have had everything taken away from them. They have had these things drawn away from them. And so why would I be the God who did it then and not do it now? But here's what also God is saying. I want to be very clear. This was brought on by you. It's not a I told you so. It's a reminder of, because we're going to see what Gideon says here in a second, and it's kind of crazy. I told you not to do this, but I want you to remember that I've told my people to not do a lot of things, but I've always shown up for them. I've always met them with grace. I've always met them with presence. I've always met them with victory. I've always done it. And it may not look the way that you think it's going to look. It may not like be the thing that goes on. It may be the peace to deal with what is going on, to accept what is going on. It may be that, yes, those things are eradicated and those things are dealt with. I don't know what the peace of the Lord, what the shalom of the Lord looks like in your life, in the midst of your anxiety, but I know that it's coming. But man, they had to ask I am sure year one, when the Midianites showed up and ravaged everything and took everything, that was really anxious. But Israel, in their anxiety, decided to prolong their suffering. By not turning and leaving and moving towards God, they prolonged their suffering. Are you in this room right now and you are prolonging your suffering because either pride worry, fear. See, your anxiety has turned from the situation you're in to the God who loves you. Now you're worried about how God's going to treat you when you go back. You're worried about like, is he going to take me back? Is he going to love me again? Will he help me again? The Bible is very clear. For those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Rescued. And so what happens here for Israel is they go, man, we need to remember the faithfulness of God. We need to remember the times in in the world and in in my own life where I've seen God show up in my life and do something incredible. And I need to see that again. I need to borrow the faith of the past for the future. You know, I had a college professor. I tell you guys this all the time. He says, um, God wrote a book. Have you read it? God wrote a book. Have you read it? These stories in here are about the goodness of God. Guys, let me just tell you, the main character of this book is not you. Thank God for that. The main character is God. And it's how God Loves, intervenes, rescues, and saves his people. And it's full of his provision for people who are unfaithful, people who are walking in things they should not. It is full of stories of grace and about the goodness of who he is and about the peace that he brings. And so maybe for some of us, you're like, I don't know about my own life. What do I do? Great. Then there's a lot of stories about people's lives in here that God has done miraculous things and met them in their mess. And rescued them and saved them and freed them and helped them. So what happens is is we need to remember God's faithfulness in the past. And I want you to notice something. God isn't petty here. He's not petty. He doesn't say if you ask nicely. He's not even at this point. We don't even see God being offended in this passage. It's just like, look, the reason I told you not to worship those other gods is because I know what those other gods will do to you. Listen, guys, let me just, God is eternally secure. And what I mean by that is he's okay with who he is. And if we won't worship him, all of creation will. So like God is not like, they, they, they turned away. This hurts me. He's like, oh, man, they turned away. This is going to hurt them. And you know what the beauty of someone who is secure? Is you can do offensive things to them, and they're okay. And when you're ready to apologize, when you're ready to say these things, when you're ready to do all of this, God goes like, I know. I'm ready. Come on. I mean, the story of the prodigal son pretty offensive. That kid, like, could you give me my inheritance now? Like, it's kind of like, I wish you were dead so I could have my money. (laughs) I mean, we're the son. God's the father. And he's waiting on the doorstep for the son to return. And he doesn't go about time. Did you run out of money? No, he runs to the son, says, kill the calf. Let's start the party. He's home. Some of us in this room, our anxiety has shifted to the things that are demolishing us to the one who can save us. That's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. What happens to Adam and Eve? They give in to this thing that they should not. Do they hide from the knowledge or do they hide from God? They hide from God. Their anxiety was facing God. Are you in this room? And you go, man, God did all those things in the past, but they're just not for me. I've just done too much. This worry. I mean, I just messed up too much. Man, this is too bad. Uh, Man, I know there's all these stories, but man, uh, I can't do this. And I feel like this is the end of it. This is the suffering that I am now prolonged to live in. For the rest of my life, I've just messed up too much. You have a very low view of the grace of God. Your theology is garbage. I'm just going to tell you the truth. What do you do with garbage? You throw it out. Let's get a new bag and let's really begin to understand who God is. Let's really begin to study and understand the grace of God in our life. But here's what happens with Gideon. I like Gideon um, because we think all these people in the Bible are cool and they're awesome. Gideon is a coward, okay? He is like not the guy I would have picked. I would have shown up and Gideon would have talked to me like he does here. And I've been like, I think I got the wrong dude, okay? But look at what God does in the story. Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 16. The angel of the Lord, this is what we call a, a theophany, God showing up. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joaz, the Abizzarite. You're like, that's a lot of ites, and I don't know those words. Here's the deal. During that time, that's where people believed that God spoke to people. Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. This is going to show you how anxious and worried Gideon is. Wine presses would be underground. If, I don't know of a lot of you that are threshing your own wheat these days, but the way that it works is you have to separate the good part of the wheat from the chaff. And the way that you do that is you grab the wheat and you toss it in the air. And when you toss it in the air, the, the wheat, the good part, is heavier and the chaff is lighter and the wind blows away the bad stuff. If you're doing it underground, there's no wind. (laughs) Anybody in here because of your anxiety doing really futile things? Doing things that don't make sense to do it this way, but you're so scared about what's going on. So you just keep doing these things that don't make sense. Welcome to Gideon. This is where we find this mighty warrior in the basement, Scared. And some of you are in the basement of your life scared. And you're doing futile things to try to make yourself better. And the reality is you've got to get somewhere else. And so what happens here? He's threshing wheat. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to get in, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. They're like, huh? Gideon's like, pardon me? <laughs> Look at what he says. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? If I was there. I would have been like, why has this happened to you? Do you remember when I said, don't do those things? I mean, if God's with us, why are bad things happening to me? If God is with me and why isn't this just better and fixed? The question is what idols in your life, what other gods in your life are you worshiping that aren't him? And you're wondering why you're sick. I mean, if God's here, why, why isn't this all just better? Because God sometimes can, you know that you are intervened with God every day you're alive. God intervenes on your behalf every single day of your life. The moment you wake up and breathe, God intervened on your behalf today. The fact that you slept through the night and woke up this morning, God intervened on your behalf today. Your heart could have shut down. You could have had a brain aneurysm. Something could have happened to you. The fact that you're here, God has intervened in your life, but how many of us don't recognize the intervention of God in our life? Why are we here? Man, everyone wants free will till they don't. Why are we here? Well, kind of the path you chose. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon's real, uh, like, I guess confident. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when he said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midianites. The Midians. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Notice that God doesn't say, listen here, boy. (laughs) Okay, let's have a, we're going to have a conversation. No, the Lord, because he's okay, moves on. Gideon, you're going to realize why you're here, but here's the deal. I am intervening right now. The God who did all the miracles of the past is showing up right now. He is in your place right now. Don't miss what God is doing because you have some weird view of the past. Go, save them. Pardon me, my Lord. (laughs) Here it is again. Pardon me, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I'm not qualified. I can't come against this thing, this thing that's giving me anxiety and worry. It's so much bigger than me. I'm not the guy. The Lord answered what? I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. God doesn't go, well, I chose you because you're so awesome. God goes, I'm using you, and I'm awesome, and I'll do it. And I'll take care of this. You don't think I know who you are, Gideon? I found you in the basement trying to get your bread made in the weirdest way possible, man. I know. I know. But you know what made Gideon a mighty warrior? God did. You know who makes you a conqueror of your anxiety and your worry? God does. Do you know who calls you mighty warrior for the things that are coming against you? God does. And you may not see it in yourself. Good, because when you don't see it in yourself, you rely on something so much bigger than you to get it done. Do you believe that the things that are coming against you and giving you anxiety and giving you worry are bigger than you? Yes, that's why you're scared. Okay, when Jude, my four-year-old son says, dad, let's fight. I'm not like, no, please don't. I'm sorry. But if Bob came to me and said, Blake, let's fight, I'd be like, you know, and I'm out. I am in anxiety and I am separating my life from that. The reason you're scared, guys, is because it's bigger than you. But God is bigger than it. And you want to know how to win a fight? You bring someone bigger with you. If I was gonna get in a fight, I'd bring Bob. I'd be like, hey, there's some dudes, they're out to get me. I'm gonna need you to get them, right? <laughs> I'm good. Because here's the truth, guys when we are not enough, God is. in the things that are ravaging you and stealing from you and and doing all of these things in your life and causing anxiety and worry and stress when you're not enough god is but the thing about like this is you've got to turn to him You, you you have to shift your focus so like let me just give you an example of how this worked in my life this week because i talked to a friend of mine, and just opened up, and um, some of the things that I was experiencing, he had experienced, and I was like, Aaron, like, what do you do? And um, his his stuff was bad, and uh, he said, you know, I just got to the point where every day I said, Lord, I'm in your hands. I'm in your hands. And if this is the last couple of years I got, I'm in your hands. And if I got more, I'm in your hands. And if this is what takes me out, I'm in your hands. And so I can't worry about this anymore because worrying is not healing me. It's hurting me. The anxiety of this thing that is so much bigger than I am that I can't do anything about is so overwhelming. I need you to overwhelm it. I'm in your hands. What is he saying? I need to be with you. I need to be with you. What does God say to Gideon? I know this is going to be bad, bro. I know that you're not enough. I know. I, I know that you're threshing wheat on, in the basement. I know you're the least of the clan and you're the least of the family. I know that, but I'm with you. And some of us need to look at our worry and our anxiety and, and the things that are dominating us in our life and go, he's with me. I brought someone this time. I'm not showing up to this fight alone this time. He's with me. I'm bringing, like, come on. And some of us need to walk into the fight of our lives and look at it and go, like, it's not just me this time. I brought someone with me. Because when we are not enough, God is. And in his presence, we have peace. Gideon replied, verse 17, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that I may really, uh, that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring an offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Isn't that beautiful? God didn't say, I'm busy. I just told you. Let's go. God says, no, okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat and from, uh, from an ephah of the flour, and he made bread with yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Gideon's like, I just saw the angel of the Lord. I'm dead. And God goes, No, no, no. I revealed myself to you in this way, and I'm not here to kill you. I'm here to help you. Verse 24, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands at Ophrah, of the Abyssalites. Peace, peace is total well-being, prosperity, and security associated with God's presence among his people. Linked in the Old Testament with the covenants, the presence of peace as a gift of God was unconditional, was conditional upon Israel's obedience. The peace of the Lord comes with the obedience to God. And the reason that some of us in this room are having anxiety and worry is because we're not being obedient to the things of God and wondering why these other things are dominating us. And God says, peace comes through obedience. A lot of us want the promises of God. We just don't like the conditions of it. This is what he says. You want peace? obedience. Why? Because what God calls us to do, what God calls us to be, and who he calls us to be are linked to what he says to do. And when we are obedient to those things, grace and mercy and peace reign in our life. It's when we get outside of that. And it's because of FOMO we get outside of that. And so this is what the Bible says. You want Jehovah Shalom, You've got to get into his presence. And when you're in his presence, you need to be obedient to what he says. You need to walk in the way that he's called you to walk. You need to lay down your worries. You need to give up these things in your life. You need to walk with him. So how do you get into God's presence? It's really easy because he's everywhere. But here's some real specific ways that you and I can get into the presence of God. Read his word. I mean, John chapter 1 tells us what? The word became flesh. Jesus was the the flesh uh, of the word of God, the presence of God. God's presence is in his word. Talk to him. We have like a churchy word for that. It's called prayer. Right? You're like just prayer. Well, that sounds intense. Cool. Let's just say talk to him. He wasn't offended with the way that Israel asked. I doubt he'll be offended in the way that you do. Just talk to him in your own way, in your own words, talk to God, let it be known. I've had to, I had to, as I was driving here today, just say, God, I'm in your hands. I'm in your hands. I can't do this. I can't, I can't fix this. I can't do all these things. I'm worried. I'm all of these things. I'm in your hands for he is the God of peace. Not only that get around others who love him. Some of us we're in the caves. We're alone. We're on the, on the threshing floor alone. That's the most dangerous place to be. What do wolves kill? The wolves kill the sheep that are alone. The, why do we do groups at our church? Oh, because we like to be busy. No, because we know that you need to be around Jesus people. You need to be around Jesus people. How many of us, the majority of our life is spent around people who are not Jesus people? okay, that's good. We need to be salt and light to the world. But sometimes we got to get around Jesus people. Why do we gather as a group? I mean, in this room, there's a lot of Jesus people, guys. We're together. Some of you need to let known, like be known what's going on. One of the best things as I was going through this stress was to tell people what was going on. In fact, even the doctor that I saw this week is sitting in the back of the room. That's grace. That a person who is my neighbor my whole life, in one of the scariest seasons of my life, I can walk across the street. And I can say, like, hey, there's some stuff going on with me. And, uh, like, I'm scared and I'm worried. And he's like, okay, come on over. Gave me an exam, got some blood work done, all this stuff. Called me. And just like, this was the most beautiful words that I heard. I don't care if it's 3 a.m., just call. I don't care if it's 5 a.m., just call. I don't care what time of day it is. That's Jesus, people. And sometimes we experience the presence of God through his people. And then how else do we experience the presence of God? Do what God does. What does he call us to do? Love and serve people. I know that that sounds weird, but sometimes the best way to get out of your anxiety and your worry is to stop worrying about you and start helping others. That's why we're a church who serves. That's why we have places you can serve here. That's why we go and do things. That's why we're doing the main trip with the youth group. Why? So they can go and love and serve people because that's the God that we serve and love. But let me just tell you, I don't know any other way to get rid of anxiety and worry. I know that there's, you need to talk to a counselor. We're for that. Okay, I know that. And I know that you need to talk to people and you need to go seek help. That's okay, guys. That's okay. But that's not a substitute for the presence of God. It's just not. And we need to get into his presence. And finally, when we have the peace of God through the presence of God, as Gideon does, he goes and tears down the idols of old. When we have peace and we begin to tear down the things that took our peace, Gideon, or Judges chapter 4, Six verses twenty four to twenty seven, Gideon goes into the city and tears down an idol. That same night, the Lord said to him, "Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old." Notice that the same issue was seven years. So now he takes a seven year old bull. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the t- on top of this height. Using the wood from the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bulls as of a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. That's okay. But guys, you know what God says? Go tear, tear down those idols and those false gods which are causing you anxiety. Tear them down and use the rubble to build an altar to me and set it high on the hill that I may reign supreme over the things that have been reigning over you. Why? So the presence of the Lord, whenever we look back there, is always over it. I don't know where you are in this room. I've gone way over time. Sorry. Not really. Um. <laughs> some of you just need to do some work. In this room. And I do too. And I did this week. I mean, my lunch was getting handed to me this week. But I just got around Jesus people. Got into the word. Remembered what I've told everybody else. To give it over and to give it to him. And so, I think there's a song. I hear people back there, so I'm assuming. But I want to give you this time to respond as you need to. To respond... To the Lord of peace, Jehovah Shalom. And to remember the goodness of God in your life. And the peace of God. And the peace of God is the opposite of the anxiety of the world. And so today, would you come to the altar? Would you sit in your seat and come to God? Would you cry out to the Lord today? Would you grab some Jesus people that they would pray with you and talk with you? Maybe you just need to open your Bible and start reading. I don't know what you need to do, but you need to not be sitting in worry and fear and anxiety forever. The Lord is here to heal you. The Lord is here to be your peace. So run to him today. Church, I love you. Would you praise with us?